And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad, even your team gonna be sad leaving at the match. Welcome to. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joining you moments after game four when the Celtics pull off just a wild fourth quarter comeback. Down seven heading into the fourth quarter, the Celtics score 43 points in the fourth to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. 116 to 108. Al Horford just has the game of his life scoring, I believe it was 30 points. Uh, just an absolutely outrageous from Hor- performance from Horford. 11 for 14, 30 points, 5 of 7 from deep. Jason Tatum finally uh, comes alive and figures out something. Uh, scores 8 straight points in a row. Just uh, is Figures out how to get something done. He has 12 points in the fourth quarter. Marcus Smart has a number of huge plays down the stretch, just going through the defense of the Milwaukee Bucks. Nine points for him and the Celtics in what was a very ugly game with a very physical game, a game in which Jalen Brown was in foul trouble, a game in which Grant Williams was in foul trouble, a game in which they did not shoot the ball very well from three. They were only uh, 14 of uh, 37 from three in this game, but that was a lot of that came in the third quarter. A game when they turned the ball over 11 times and gave up 17 points off those turnovers, the Celtics find a way to come back in this ball game and win. The series is tied 2-2. Two to two. They have reclaimed home court advantage. It is now a three-game series with two of those games coming in Boston just an outrageous performance by the Celtics who frankly I'm sitting here and I just don't know how it happened. I I'm just dumbfounded about how that fourth quarter happened after what was just a not a good third quarter at all for the Celtics where Giannis scores 13 points uh the the Bucks built extend the lead from 1 at halftime to seven heading into the fourth quarter where it really felt like the Celtics did not have an answer for Giannis, especially with uh, Rob Williams not playing in this game. Grant Williams was in foul trouble. They kind of went small and it felt like Al Horford, as good as a game as he had on the offensive end, really didn't have an answer for Giannis. Giannis was basically getting to the rim at, uh, at will, but the Celtics went a little bit small. Derek White was fantastic tonight. I know he did not uh, score that many points. He actually, 
uh, ended up with 11 and knocked down a three, but he was a plus 18 tonight in his 34 minutes. I thought he was fantastic on the defensive end. The Celtics smaller lineup uh, was a lot better. Ime Udoka with the kind of the going small put Marcus Smart as kind of the primary defender on uh, Giannis, who uh, I thought did uh, an effective job, especially there in the fourth quarter. This I think this in four games of this series, the Celtics half court defense has done a tremendous job, despite how good Giannis has been. Uh, just a tremendous job in limiting the Bucks, uh, and making it so they really don't score that efficiently. I mean, Giannis had 34 p- uh, points tonight, but he had to take 32 shots to get there, which is just, I think the Celtics are going to live with that. A lot of the Celtics defensive mistakes, it felt like, is when they doubled Giannis too hard and gave up open threes. If Giannis needs to do this, I think the like the Southerners are going to rely on other guys beating them. Tonight, Drew Holiday, 5 of 22. He really just did not have it. He only scored 16 points. He was a minus 23 in his 40 minutes, which is outrageous uh, just considering where this series was and how close of a game it was. I think... Uh, the, the Bucs did a pretty good job in the fourth quarter when the Celtics were a little bit smaller of grading some switches and getting the ball to Brooke Lopez, uh, who I believe scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. But the Celtic, uh, if the Bucs weren't getting a Giannis thing at the rim or pass to Brooke Lopez, they just really had no outside shooting, save for those kind of crazy uh, Grayson Allen three and the, the West Matthews three. Uh, it was just a... Again, uh, an insane fourth quarter. The Celtics were 16 of 19 from the field in the fourth quarter. That's 84%. Jason Tatum, 5 of 6. Marcus Smart, 4 of 5. Al Horford, 6 of 6, including uh, 2 of 2 from 3. Multiple and ones. He got a technical foul for no reason whatsoever. Uh, It was just he had an absolutely throwback performance it felt like the Celtics kept getting stronger and stronger, whereas Giannis, for as dominant as he was, he looked awfully tired down the stretch. He actually had to come out of the game with about five minutes left just for a quick breather, um, and he did not play all of the fourth quarter, as you would expect. I just, again, the Celtics, with how badly Jason Tatum looked in the first three quarters, with how badly their offense looked, with how badly they were shooting, they had really no business uh, being in this game, but they came out in the fourth quarter and it was immediately just a very quick run to basically tie the game. Marcus, uh, It was a Marcus Smart three. It was Al Horford hitting shots, the Al Horford dunk and the and one. And then Al Horford just kept scoring uh, in the corner off a great Tatum drive. The and one over Brooke Lopez after kind of that weird Marcus Smart uh, Giannis collision in the backcourt and then Tatum took over from there and got eight points it felt like the Bucks uh, got punished when the the Celtics or the Bucks went small and the, the Celtics were finally able to punish them it feels like George Hill coming in I know uh, he's kind of a, a savvier vet but um, I think he's not as good a defender as Javon Carter but I thought the Tatum did a, a much better job of actually attacking the rim and getting to the rim and creating shots and creating contact. It feels like he's been pretty hesitant to do that with Brooke Lopez or Giannis in the game. And so I thought he did a, a, a pretty good job of doing that in the fourth quarter. Um, and then just some like 
Marcus Smart, very, very clutch baskets down the stretch, taking his defender one-on-one, especially if it's Grayson Allen, just going through the chest and just being bigger than them and uh, just getting clutch baskets when, I don't know, it was, I have in my notes, it was a 112-110 game with a minute 30 to play. And normally you don't feel nervous as a fan when you're up 10 with 90 seconds. But in this game, in this crazy game, you don't know what to expect. So I I had to jump on here, talk to the fine folks out there. It was just, uh, I was too pumped and too jacked. And uh, I appreciate everyone here joining me in the live room. If you want to give your thoughts, please raise your hand. Because uh, I am uh, don't want to hear myself talk. I want to hear from you guys. So raise your hand. We'll try to get as many uh, callers in right now. Right now, we're going to start with Michael M. Michael, how are you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. That was <laughs> I love some good food. So, like, I've been, like, saying to my friends, like, oh, Al Horford, so underrated. Like, Al Horford, like, he was, like, the best player on, like, the 2017 run with, like, Ter- was that 2017 with, like, Terry? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's been like my like one day I'll like write like a big long post about like why that was like the greatest thing, why Al Horford was like responsible and how he like thoroughly outplayed Giannis and Joel Embiid. But like 30 points, literally dunked on Giannis, just 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 great, great stuff. I, I, oh, go ahead. I have an analysis, uh, beyond just gushing about Horford being awesome. Let's hear it. Um, this was kind of more of what I thought the series would come down to. I feel like I've been not been able to peg what the series is, but like this with like Giannis being a little overtasked and Drew not being a great offensive player is kind of what I thought it would be like. But the other nights have been like kind of all over the place. So I don't really know where the series is going still. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good point. And thanks for, um, thanks for chiming in, Michael. One, you're right. Al Horford is fantastic. He's got beautiful eyes and he's a beautiful human being. He's with a beautiful soul. He's a wonderful father. He loves chocolate milk. All of those things have been clearly established. But I think as for the series, like the thing that's been frustrating about uh, the series so far for the Celtics is they really should not lose these games if they don't turn the ball over and they don't just do dumb things on offense. If they make the right decisions on offense, and that's including not having dumb turnovers, they should walk away with this series just because I think their half-court defense has been fantastic and the Bucs just don't have weapons really beyond Giannis to punish them. And I think it's one of the reasons why they've been able to stay in this game, like stay in the games and get back in the game as they did in game three and get back in the game as they did here in game four is that they play a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end. The defense remains consistent and they're able to kind of claw their way back in. If they can just play a full game of offense, which pretty much in game two is what they did. They only actually played, did it for uh, the first half, but if they can just play smart on the offensive end, not turn the ball over and get some decent shots allow them to get their uh, defense set. They really should be in this series uh, because it just feels like they're the more talented and better basketball team. But for whatever reason, Jason Tatum did not show up in Milwaukee until, you know, like six minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. 
And that's like a, him being a, a dominant basketball offensive basketball player has been a huge part of what the Celtics offense has been so far. So obviously his struggles have made it harder for the Celtics offense to get going. But with that being said, I still think the, the like the Celtics can survive with their kind of not so great shooting as long as they don't turn the ball over. The Celtics would have been, I think, much more in this game earlier if they didn't have those 11 turnovers, seven turnovers in the first half for the Celtics. So uh, I think they're, they have the formula for what works. They know what works. It's just going to be interesting to see if they can do that uh, consistently in order to get two more victories in this series. Right now, we're going to go to Robert K. Robert K., how are you doing? Thanks for joining us here on Anything is Potable. Thank you. Good to be here uh, from Chicago. And I called in earlier this year. So second time caller, long time listener. Um, and before I get to my question, just wanted to share that I got my girlfriend into Celtics playoff basketball a couple of games ago. And hey, now more invested. She's also listening to me talk right now, laughing her ass off. Uh, but she has somehow become more invested than me and I just aged 10 years, so I don't even want to know what she has. Uh, My question for you, though, um, aside from fawning over Al and his eyes, is what do you think Jalen pushing pushing Giannis' arm off at the end might lead to uh, in terms of it's already been a very physical series? Does it get chippy in Game 5? I know a lot of folks thought that was going to be Game 4. It really wasn't. Um, Like, does this get tense? even more physical. Uh, I don't know, but we'd love your thoughts. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. We saw some some tomfoolery, some ballyhoo, some brouhaha's out there on the court tonight. It's definitely playoff basketball. It's incredibly physical, uh, and there's just going to be a lot of contact either way. I think Giannis is one of the hardest uh, people to officiate in the league, and obviously Celtics fans had a lot of gripes with the way the game three ended in terms of officiating a lot of gripes with just the free throw disparity in this game. It's just Giannis is, uh, of he's a freak from Greece. Some might call him the freak from Greece. It's just, uh, it's a fit. It's like one of the more physical basketball, uh, series I've seen in a long time. We saw some chippiness. I don't know what happened with Marcus Smart and Giannis uh, before that kind of Al Horford and one. They kind of got tangled up. It looked like Marcus was trying to help him up, but Giannis was either uh, nonplussed or a little bit too exhausted. Jalen was definitely frustrated with the foul Giannis committed um, late in that game. I don't know why. I mean, Jalen got fouled, immediately turned around, started kind of yelling at Giannis. I'm sh- I wouldn't be surprised if there was some some chippiness. Uh, we saw two technicals in this game with Horford. Well, it was a nonsense call. It was kind of inadvertently hit Giannis in the face, and then Giannis got one for taunting. But yeah, yeah Jalen kind of turned around, talked to Giannis. Then Giannis started rubbing Jalen's neck like, like some sort of pervert, and Jalen obviously took umbrage uh, with such unwanted touching. Uh, I don't know if it's going to lead to fights. Like, I just don't. Giannis doesn't seem like the type of guy to kind of take things after the whistle. I don't know who on the court would. Uh, Marcus Smart, maybe, but Marcus Smart seems to play better when uh, after kind of taking injury or after uh, some sort of confrontation. But I would expect more of the same, uh, but I'm not really expecting these two teams to kind of like devolve into fighting or 
you know, kind of like the Warriors Grizzly series where they're either having very ugly fouls, flagrant fouls, and then blaming the other one for intentionally hurting the other team. I just don't necessarily see that happening, but um, who knows? It's playoff basketball, and these the the, the four games have been uh, incredibly close. It's just been a, a, a tremendous series so far, and it really does feel like a, kind of a the way more important, way more... Uh, the stakes are much higher than a normal second round series. It kind of feels like maybe this is like a, just a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals. Like whoever wins this is uh, likely going to move on. But getting ahead of myself there, let's go to Dimitri. Dimitri D, join us here on Anything's Potable. Dimitri, how are you doing? Uh, good, good. Um, I just had a quick question a couple of times in the fourth quarter. We saw Marcus Smart like just bully himself into the paint by himself. We didn't really see that much in the first couple of games. Do you think that's going to be the plan going forward, just having Marcus Smart just getting in there, or what do you think? I think it's a good question because uh, the Bucks started out this series with their, their big man lineup of Portis, Lopez, and Giannis all out there. We saw them pivot away from that in game three because it was very much not working. The Celtics could really attack that on the perimeter, get the shots that they wanted. And so the Bucks have tended to try and go a little bit smaller. Uh, and But they're still keeping Giannis and Brooke Lopez on the court. I think Giannis was a little gassed at the end. But if, this, if they do kind of go smaller, that means they're going to have to have some kind of smaller guy out there, whether it's George Hill, whether it's Grayson Allen. Pat Connaughton's not the smallest of guys, but I do think uh, Marcus Smart has an advantage there. Um I think the Celtics, that's where the Celtics are going to attack if they don't have Bobby Portis out there. So I think it's someone that Jason Tatum can attack. I think it's uh, the benefit of having Marcus Smart be the one who's attacking is Jason Tatum can be on the wing and kind of pull out and actually just provide a lot more spacing for Marcus. I think what Jason Tatum um, has struggled with in this series is trying to finish over larger guys like Giannis, like um, Brooke Lopez. I think he's been a bit hesitant and hasn't been going at the rim as hard. And I think if you kind of space the floor more and maybe Marcus is the guy to do it with more spacing, they can do a better job of attacking. But I do think the when the Bucks go smaller, the Celtics need to do a better job of just um, consistently hunting those mismatches, recognizing like that's the formula for their good offense um, and keep going. I don't know. The other part of me was like during those two Marcus Smart possessions, I was like screaming, like, what are you doing, Marcus? Like pass the ball. But, you know, you have to remember to love and trust like he's Marcus Smart. He knows what he's doing out there Uh, Two just ginormous baskets towards the end there. And he just he knew he had he was in complete control of everything he's doing. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing and got those buckets. And so it's definitely something I think the Celtics can exploit if the Bucks want to get Grayson Allen out there for shooting or George Hill for kind of more uh, ball handling. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Right now we'll go to Winterer. L. Winterer? Did I say that correctly? Winterer. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on. I just have a like, quick question. What do you think about... Uh, you know, two straight games, fourth quarter, sees outscore the Bucks by double digits. I mean, do, do you think it's – is it rotations? Is it Eme talking in the huddle? Do you have any indication what's going on? Thanks. I think they're just playing much, much smarter basketball, and they're kind of playing with their backs against the wall. I also think in both game three and game four, we saw this huge outpouring from Giannis, right? Giannis comes out to start the third quarter, puts his team on his back, and just goes to work getting to the rim. I think that a lot of that tires out Giannis, and I think they have a lot. Uh, he has a lesser impact on uh, on the game, and I think it just makes it a little bit easier for the Celtics to score on that end of the court. In this game, I don't know. Ex- like Al Horford made all six of his shots. Like that's just outrageous. Like that's not like a, a known pattern. That's not something I think you can expect moving forward. But the thing that's interesting is that the Celtics only had one turnover in that quarter. And it just felt like the defensive intensity was so much better. I think a lot of credit has to go to Derek White, who played the entire fourth quarter was fantastic defensively. I think Kirk Goldsberry tweeted out uh, the Bucks were, I think, 0 for 12 when Derek White was the primary defender. The Celtics did a good job of limiting the offensive rebounds uh, I just think they they really locked in. I don't I don't know the discrepancy between the third quarter and fourth quarter. I don't have all the answers. The Celtics have been a very good third quarter team this year, except in this series where they've got absolutely trounced. I do think it's very very hard to kind of contain uh, the threat that is Giannis, but um, I have no idea why they've just been kind of easily able to put themselves back in the game uh, in these fourth quarters. It's been. Uh, I don't I don't have a great answer to that. We'll see. We'll definitely be talking to Jay King about this series tomorrow 
He's the one. He's the analyst. He's supposed to have uh, all the answers. Maybe he'll be able to figure that out for us. All right. I have another Michael M here on the in the pool. I don't know if it's the same Michael M as before, but we'll try it out. Is this a new Michael M or this old Michael M? No, this is a different Michael M, which is very cool. A different Michael M. Well, sorry, I, I overlooked you for a couple callers. I jumped ahead because I wasn't sure. But uh, I had, I, first of all, a longtime listener, first time caller, really honored. Uh, the Welcome aboard the train. Uh, second of all, I just wanted to say that I share your confidence with respect to going forward in the series, only because uh, it felt like this game, everything that could possibly have gone wrong in the first two quarters specifically, but the first quarter with the refs and the calling just went completely wrong. And then Giannis had his third quarter and the team just totally responded. If I, if I think anything is to be taken from these last two fourth quarters, it's that the team can respond and can come back in this. Yep. Well, I think I lost you there, Michael, but uh, I agree with you. I think the Celtics have the, the winning formula for uh, what works for them. Uh, it just seems like they they should know and they should be able to figure out uh, how to win these basketball games. Their half-court offense against Giannis and the Bucks has been phenomenal. The Bucs, uh, pretty much the entire, all four series, in the, or all four games in the series has been Giannis going off. And then occasionally Drew Holiday has a good game, but occasionally he's he's been more inconsistent. And they, they really don't have had a scoring contribution from any of the other guys on their team. And so it's been interesting to see if the Celtics just, if you look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdown, it's just like when they turn the ball over, it allows the Bucks to get easy points. If they just don't turn the ball over and just even have their mediocre offense, like... We saw in game two what happens when they actually like really move the ball and really start making shots. That is when the Celtics uh, create this this big lead. But even if they just have decent offense, good looks, move the ball a little bit, and have their average three-point shooting, they're going to be in the game just because their defense is going to keep them in it. And so they just need to play mistake like mentally mistake free basketball of course there's going to be fouls of course there's going to be like some the occasional turnover if we're trying to make a play but the live ball turnovers the dumb passes they really shoot themselves in the foot there and I think if they can just avoid doing that for the majority of the game they're going to be in the game uh even with a not so great offensive performance and so I I just believe the Celtics right now have a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks. Am I riding high off a ridiculous fourth quarter comeback where Al Horford play out of his mind? Absolutely. But I think they're just, without Chris Middleton, the Bucks just don't have uh, that much offense in the half court. And it's asking a lot of Giannis, who's already done it uh, twice, and he's just has, turns in, continues to turn into some like wild, really great performances, much better in game three than he was in game four. Again, not very efficient tonight. He had to take 32 shots. Like that's a lot of work for one guy. And when he's only getting 16 points from Drew Holiday, it's just, uh, it's not going to be, not going to be enough. And so I think the Celtics just don't turn the ball over. And I really think they're going to be in games and find ways to win uh, as we saw here in the fourth quarter. Josh P, join us here on Anything is Potable. Josh P, how are you doing? I'm doing great. 
What a fabulous game from about Jalen. Jalen in the first quarter looked like he didn't show up for the game. He missing defensive assignments, moving around the court kind of funny. Looks like maybe he's still recovering. And I can't quite tell what's going on, but he looks like he's a step slow. What do you think? Yeah, I think it could be a situation where his uh, his hammy's still bothering him. He definitely did not have a great start to the game, picked up a lot of fouls, uh, almost fouled out of this game. Like, I thought it was absolutely absurd that the call, the the referees overturned that call to get him his fifth. Not because I didn't think it was a charge. It was absolutely a charge. I thought that was a 1,000% a charge in the moment. I thought, oh, Jalen is just kind of putting his head down and made a mistake there. I just thought it was kind of ludicrous that in a well, we just rarely, rarely see calls overturned. There needs to be clear and convincing evidence that they decided to overturn it there in that moment. With that being said, Jalen, his aggressiveness and his shooting was a major reason why the Celtics did not fall down that much. He... I'm shocked to look at the uh, box score right now and see he only knocked down two threes, but it feels like those two threes were big. Um, His aggressiveness uh, in game three, I thought was a huge part of why they were able to kind of close the lead there in, uh, in that game and kind of put themselves in a position to win. Uh, But with that being said, he's, he hasn't had his greatest moments in this series. A lot of turnovers, I think when the games in Boston, um, and a kind of a lot of reckless plays and decision-making, but I think he has done a, a, there are also times where he struggles with his off-ball defense, and I did recognize some of those moments there in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, uh, but I thought he did a fantastic job um, of just being aggressive uh, in there in the third quarter, keeping it close. Uh, it felt like he the Celtics were going to go on a mini run there before he ended up fouling out. It's going to be interesting to see what his contribution is the rest of the series because, I don't know, if I, it's just very hard to figure out what the Celtics are going to get from Jason Tatum, and they're going to need some sort of primary ball handler or score to step up if Tatum's not going to uh, contribute. But I don't know. I looked down, Tatum scored 30 points tonight. Was a lot more aggressive taking threes, which I think the Celtics need to do going up against the kind of the drop defense of the Bucks, And I liked I would say nine out of the 10 threes Jason attempted. He did not look great on all of them, but I thought he did um, a pretty pretty solid job of um, not settling for them late. And then he hit that giant kind of fuck you three over George Hill at the end of the game, which was fantastic. Uh, I guess my the, the long answer to that is I don't have the exact answer for Jalen Brown, but it could be that his uh, hamstring is still bothering him a little bit. Right now we're going to go to Keith L. Keith L. Come on down. Thanks for joining us here on Anything is Potable. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Uh, another first time, long time. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for uh, raising your hand. No problem. Um, I think I, I came into the pod late, but I think one thing that may be overlooked, and I am a s- smart stand, but I think he looked more like himself tonight, and I think once we put him – as the primary defender on Giannis in the fourth to allow Al to kind of be off of him a little bit and not get called for fouls was a huge kind of 
movement. I don't know if that's on Ime or Smart, but I think that changed the game in the fourth quarter, especially. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great point, Keith, and thanks for a uh, call. I think switching Marcus on him to be a primary defender, just getting into uh, Giannis's airspace, just making Giannis work a little bit more. It's a lot different. You're going to have to make Giannis dribble and attack. It's a lot different from when Al Horford and Grant Williams kind of give Giannis two, three to four feet of space before meeting him. I do think that putting um, Marcus Smart on him was pretty effective tonight. I thought uh, Jalen, as much as Giannis seems to be picking on him and trying to target him and switching, did a much better job tonight than he had on game three in Justin being physical and um, making Giannis work for it. I thought Tatum had some good possessions on Giannis. Uh, I thought uh, everyone did a pretty good job of trying to slow him down. Uh, that being said, he's he's mighty talented, and we saw just kind of his explosion there in the third quarter. Uh, but I did think Marcus was um, a little bit more with it tonight. You, he did. He, I mean, he always seems to go down, get up limping, and then that kind of makes him better. That kind of is what makes Marcus smart, Marcus smart. But uh, I thought he did a, a fantastic job, save for his three or four just uh, horrible passes that led to easy baskets. But I thought he showed a lot of good decision-making late, um, made those big baskets, and then was – Huge in just the defensive late late rotations over to draw some charges on Giannis when Giannis was already a little bit tired. Uh, I just thought the Celtics came up huge there in in the fourth quarter, and a lot of credit has to go to the guys uh, who were out there. So that's Horford, Tatum, Derek White, Marcus Smart, and then we saw um, Jalen Brown for the final six minutes of it. But I thought. Peyton Pritchard did a pretty solid job. Uh, he didn't knock down his one corner three, but even him, I feel like, was making the right play and uh, doing doing it, holding his own on the defensive end. Um, so we shall see what happens in Game Five on Wednesday. It is now a series. It's going to be a fun one. It, this one feels like it's going seven. It's going to be absolutely wild in the Garden. I appreciate everyone who joined here on the a live athletic room after the game. Jay and I will definitely be breaking it down. I'll probably have to go back and watch this game again to figure out what the hell just happened because I'm still kind of confused about how the Celtics were able to score 43 points in the fourth quarter, how Al Horford was scored 30 points, 11 of 14, was 6 of 6 in the fourth quarter, absolutely put this team on his back. Um, after three quarters where just nothing felt like it was going the Celtics way for them to have that response, uh, wild, wild stuff. I think it shows a lot about this team that uh, pretty much two games when nothing went well for them in three, in the first three quarters, they put themselves in a position to win. Um, it wasn't enough in game three with a lot of anger at the officials. They made sure in game four that it was not going to be in the officials hands they just flat out dominated that quarter, winning by 15 points, uh, and I thought it was a fantastic performance. Oh, here he is. I was about to close out the show. I was about to go home for the night, but Lux, who's on the line? Old friend Joshua B. Joshua B., you're the last caller here. The floor is yours. Anything is potable! Woo! <laughs> um... Yeah, everything tonight needs to be about Al Horford. 
that moment where he punched Giannis in the face, that is the most proud I've been to be a Boston <laughs> fan and an American in the last, I don't know, four years. That was the greatest moment that, that we've needed all year. This team has been counted out. This team has been has been pushed around, has gotten down to hell. And tonight they got down seven points going into the third quarter. Everybody talking about how amazing Giannis is as he scores his 31st and 32nd point from the line. The free throw disparity in the third quarter was nuts. I think we shot like three free throws, something nonsensical like that. Thank you, Tony Brothers, for making sure that everybody understands that this Boston team can get pushed down can get kicked around can be left for dead and still come back and by the way just one other thing that i guess jay king just tweeted it but i just realized it as well the two games that we've won in this series we were missing marcus smart and robert williams right it doesn't matter who we're missing right we constantly battle back i told you we could play you up i told you we could play you down and here we go here we go. Oh, and one more thing. Anytime that you have to hear Jay King talk about how much respect he has for Javon Carter, just remember <laughs> the zero points that he's now scored in back-to-back games. I, it, this is a great Celtics win. This is, this is maybe the best win I've seen them have in the last four years. And I get it that we, like, beat Toronto. Like, I, I remember us beating Toronto. And I get it that there was that amazing dunk over LeBron, like, all those years ago by Jason Tatum. This is, been, this is the best win I've seen them make individually. I might be a prisoner of the moment, but I honestly can't remember this group of guys. I'm not – obviously, we're not talking about the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, like – like era we're talking about like this group of celtics this is the best win i've seen them i've seen them have what do you think no i I would have to agree like they they came back in game three and they had an absolutely heartbreaking loss in which they were all like Ime came out and said just extremely pissed off about it nothing goes their way in the first three quarters they cannot make a shot things are rimming out uh left and right you mentioned the free throw disparities, like they were in foul trouble. They were clearly quite frustrated, um, but they just Dave, fought people back. People were rolling on the ground. People, were I mean, people have been on rolling the on the ground. <laughs> like that's going to be a constant in this series. People, like there are going to be bodies hitting the floor. Like that's just what this series has become. Is this extremely physical basketball? Um, it was and, Do you have any update on Pat Connaughton, by the way? Just out of curiosity. Any, like, uh, do, you know, do you know if Pat Connaughton's out? I hope. Well, I shouldn't say that. I hope he's healthy. But but like, do you know if he's gone? I haven't seen any uh, update on his injury. He did get hurt late there in the fourth quarter. I don't know. Uh, he's been so annoyingly. Jim, really, I'm sorry. I'll get off now. But honestly, oh well, I appreciate. I appreciate the uh, the call there, Joshua B. Yeah. No, Pat Connaughton's been kind of annoyingly good. Uh, it was three of six from three today. He did get hurt, but I've heard no updates uh, for them yet. Whew. Wild stuff here. Wild stuff here after game four. Um, just again, as Joshua B said, like the best win I think I can remember with this core group. Um, and for the Celtics have showed incredible toughness for both of these games on the road where they didn't really have anything working for them to put themselves in a position to win in both games, I think has been incredibly impressive 
and it just shows championship habits. It's something that when the Celtics lost that Bucks in the Kyrie year, that was the first thing Brad Stevens said after um, they lost that series. And it's something that's kind of stuck with me is that the Celtics didn't have the right habits of do, making the right play when their backs were against the wall when they needed to. And that's the thing that stuck out to me with this Celtics team uh, as they've rounded the corner into 2022 is that they've just been made the right decision, making the right plays, sharing the ball on offense, consistently putting in that effort on the defensive end. And that's uh, what they go to and what they rely on in moments like this when they're down by seven in a do-or-die game, in a game that they need to have. They come out and put 43 points on the Milwaukee Bucks in the fourth quarter. Just uh, wild stuff from uh, from the Boston Celtics who tie the series up 2-2, two to two, going back to Boston. They retake home court advantage. They win tonight 116 to 108. Al Horford, 30 points. Jason Tatum, 30 points. 18 apiece from Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Just a, an impressive, impressive performance. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's all I've got. I've run out of things to say. Normally I'd ask Jay if, if something was potable. I'm just going to tell you. Championship habits. They're potable, folks. Thanks for joining. We'll be back later, uh, later this week with Jay to break down uh, this game further and get uh, kind of more analysis and preview of the last two games of the series. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.